Hello, everybody. Welcome to Thinking Curious, where we unpack abstract ideas that are wrapped up in stories to discover truths that can help us live well and encourage us in our pursuit of purpose. I'm Jessica, your host. Thanks for joining me today as we look into the story of the Ugly Duckling and ask the question, was the Ugly Duckling really a hero in the making? Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about the author, Hans Christian Andersen. He was born in Denmark and lived from 1805 to 1875. He's known for his fairy tales. In fact, we thought about his story, The Emperor's New Clothes, in episode two of the Thinking Curious podcast. Anderson was a prolific writer contributing to multiple genres. His writing includes, but is not limited to, 1,024 poems, 212 fairy tales, 6 novels, 51 plays, 25 travelogues, 4 autobiographies, and 6 biographical writings. In 1843, Anderson published The Ugly Duckling. Many of us are familiar with the story about the little gray duckling and the struggles and trials he endures before his happy ending. Those of us who are familiar with the story also know that the little gray duckling was really a cygnet or baby swan, and the story chronicles his experiences for about a year of his life. It's taken me more time than I expected to prepare this story for this podcast. While working on it, three times I found a reason to start over, And I'm glad I did because it changed how I see the story. To my surprise, I found three different ideas woven throughout the story. And as we go forward, I'm going to refer to these three different ideas as three separate strands. What I believe we'll see is that these three strands work together to create the transformation the ugly duckling realizes by the end of the story. When I began studying the story, the first strand I picked up on was a strand of resilience. The second strand I found running through the story relates to the development of one's self-concept. The third strand dawned on me when I realized that the story of the ugly duckling is a hero's journey. That sounds like a lot for a fairy tale. I agree. But in Anderson's own journal, he states that he wrote his fairy tales for two audiences— One was for children, and he entertained them with the shiny, sparkly stuff. The other was for adults who would see past the shiny, sparkly, magic stuff and realize the message that he was communicating. It's really amazing to see Anderson illustrate abstract concepts about human development concretely through the story, and we can learn from the fairy tale by relating the concepts to our own lives. Each setting is significant in the development of the Ugly Duckling, so I'm going to follow the plotted settings, pointing out the three strands along the way. The first strand to follow in the story is that of resilience. Researchers vary in their belief regarding the number of elements to resilience. I believe there are four, each relying on the development of a variety of skill sets that are continually in use or are in demand as we move forward in life. The four elements include connectivity, autonomy, efficacy, and compassion. The development of each element is evidenced as the story progresses. The first setting is a duck's nesting ground and a watery moat where the ducks live. 
all the mother duck's eggs have hatched except for one larger egg. Finally, the big egg did crack. Peep, said the young one, and out he tumbled. But he was so big and ugly. The mother duck took a look at him. That's a frightfully big duckling, she said. He doesn't look like the others. The next day, the weather was perfectly splendid. The mother duck led her whole family down to the moat. Splash! She took to the water. Quack, quack! She said, and one duckling after another plunged in. The water went over their heads, but they came up in a flash and floated to perfection. Their legs worked automatically, and they were all there in the water. Even the big, ugly gray one was swimming along. The mother duck noted, See how nicely he uses his legs and how straight he holds himself? He's my very own son after all, and quite good-looking if you look at him properly. Things progressed swimmingly with her brood, so the mother duck decided it was time to lead the ducklings into society. Quack, quack, come with me. I'll lead you into the world and introduce you to the duckyard. The ducklings waddled after their mother and approached the duckyard. There was an uproar taking place between two other duck families over an eel head. While they fought amongst themselves, the quick cat seized the opportunity to snatch the eel's head for himself. You see, that's the way of the world, the mother duck said. She instructed her brood how to conduct themselves in society. Stir your legs, bustle about, and mind that you bend your necks to that old duck over there. She's the noblest of us all. Shake yourselves. Don't turn your toes in. A well-bred duckling turns his toes way out, just as his father and mother do. This way. So then, now duck your heads and say, quack. Let's leave the duckyard for a moment and reflect on what we've learned so far. The ugly duckling's first environment was on the bank surrounding the moat with his family. Because both the cygnet and the ducklings belonged to the waterfowl family, the mother duck was fully equipped to model behaviors that taught her whole brood how to satisfy their needs. Although she observed the larger gray duckling's different appearance, the mother duck appreciated his strengths. He was accepted by his siblings and his mother. The gray duckling received the same care and the same instruction that supported his ability to connect with others and his world. Connectivity is an element of resilience. Now the story moves forward with the duck family to a new environment, the duckyard. Here the world is expanding for the ducklings and their mother tells them the truth about how the world works. But nothing could have prepared the larger gray duckling for what happened next. Here in the setting of the duckyard, the second strand, the development of a self-concept, is spotlighted. This will be the first time the larger gray duckling experiences rejection. He is told over and over again that he is ugly. In fact, he is told that he deserves to be attacked because he is ugly. The way he was treated in the duckyard prevented connectivity with that society and influence the duckling's self-concept. Our self-concept is formed when we are very young, as we take in information about ourselves from our relationships and the world. The people a child looks up to have the ability to speak life or death, truths or lies, 
into the child's life. The unconditional love and acceptance the mother duck demonstrated toward the larger gray duckling laid the foundation for developing his individual strengths and nature she appreciates. However, the treatment he experienced in the duckyard influenced the way he came to see himself. This is what happened. The other ducks around them looked on and said right out loud, See here! Must we have this brood too? Just as if there weren't enough of us already. And fie! What an ugly-looking fellow that duckling is. We won't stand for him. One duck charged up and bit the gray duckling on his neck. Let him alone, his mother said. He isn't doing any harm. Possibly not, said the duck who bit him. But he's too big and strange, and therefore he needs a good whacking. Just then, the duck perched at the top of the duckyard hierarchy interrupted with a comment about the ducklings. They are all pretty except that one. It's a pity you can't hatch him again. The mother duck responded, Your ladyship, he isn't so handsome, but he's good as can be, and he swims just as well as the rest, or I should say even a little better than they do. I think he will be quite strong, and I'm sure he will amount to something. Here we see the mother duck conceding that he isn't so handsome, but she defends her gray duckling and praises his strengths, his nature, and states her belief that he will amount to something. His future is promising. But this didn't stop the mob. The poor duckling, who was so ugly, was pecked and pushed about and made fun of by the ducks and the chickens as well. He's too big, they said. The turkey gobbler, who thought himself an emperor because he was born wearing spurs, puffed up like a ship under full sail and bore down upon him, gobbling and gobbling until he was red in the face. The poor duckling did not know where he dared to stand or where he dared walk. He was so sad because he was so desperately ugly and because he was a laughingstock of the whole duckyard. The way the larger gray duckling was treated convinced him that he must indeed be ugly or he would not suffer such abuses. He believed it was true. His self-concept was affected by the words of those who were combative. This experience is not uncommon wherever a pecking order rules the day. Things went from bad to worse. The poor duckling was chased and buffeted about by everyone, even his own brothers and sisters. And his mother finally said, How I do wish you were miles away. The seeds of judgment were planted in the mind of the gray duckling through degrading words. They were watered by mocking, cultivated through physical abuse, and matured into rejection. He believed he was ugly, and that his ugliness was the source of his problem. Like many other heroes in the making, the ugly duckling ran away. Here is where the third strand, the hero's journey, begins. According to Masterclass.com, there are three stages in a hero's journey. The departure, the initiation, and the return of the hero, with multiple characteristics of each stage. However, not all characteristics need to be present. At this point, the ugly duckling enters the departure stage of his hero's journey. The story illustrates three characteristics of this stage. 
a problem that threatens the hero, causing him to cross a threshold into unfamiliar territory where he immediately faces his first challenge. Anderson's tale continues. So he ran away and flew over the fence. The little birds in the bushes darted up in fright. That's because I'm so ugly, he thought, and he closed his eyes, but he ran on just the same until he reached the great marsh where the wild ducks lived. There he lay all night long, weary and disheartened. Once he flew over that fence, he crossed the threshold into an unknown environment and his journey began in earnest. His first challenge occurred when the little birds flew off as he passed them. It reinforced his self-concept and motivated negative self-talk. He said they flew off because he was so ugly, not because little birds are easily startled. He believed he was pecked and attacked in the duckyard because he is so ugly, not because the duckyard inhabitants were cruel bullies. The environment of the Great Marsh is a setting where the initiation stage of the ugly duckling's hero's journey begins. As should be expected, most of the story takes place during this stage of the hero's development. The initiation stage is where the hero learns to navigate the unfamiliar world. This stage is marked by a road of trials through which transformation occurs, a temptation to abandon or stray from the quest, confronting the powers that rule their life, causing a major turning point in the story. As a result of this confrontation, the hero gains a profound understanding of their purpose or skill, and armed with this new ability, the hero unknowingly is prepared for the most difficult trial. Intermittently, the hero meets one or more allies who pick him up and help him continue and fulfill his journey. The marsh is where the ugly duckling took refuge. He felt at home on the marsh where he could paddle about, sit among the tall reeds, drink the water and nibble on the plants. He connected with his environment. And then the story continues. When morning came, the wild ducks flew up to have a look at their new companion. What sort of a creature are you, they asked, as the duckling turned in all directions, bowing his best to all of them. You are terribly ugly, but that's nothing to us, so long as you don't marry into our family. Poor duckling, marriage certainly had never entered his mind. All he wanted was for them to let him lie among the reeds and drink a little water from the marsh. There he stayed for two whole days. Then he met two wild geese, or rather wild ganders, for they were males. They had not been out of the shell very long, and that's what made them so sure of themselves. Say there, comrade, you're so ugly that we've taken a fancy to you. Come with us and be a bird of passage. In another marsh nearby, there are wild geese, all nice young ladies who know how to quack. You're so ugly that you'll completely turn their heads. The goodness his mother recognized in him and the habits he learned from her, like how to enter into society, helped him connect with the members of this new community. He met wild ducks and geese who, while they said he was ugly, were friendlier and accepted him. His resilience developed further as he exercised both connectivity and autonomy. He was able to be independent while being in community with the other waterfowl. But then another trial exploded onto the scene. All of a sudden, shots rang out through the air. 
the two ganders fell among the reeds. It was the season for hunting geese, and hunters were, with their hunting dogs, upon the marsh. Blue smoke rose like clouds from the shade of the trees and drifted far out over the water. Hunting dogs splashed through the water. The ugly duckling turned his head to tuck it under his wing just as a dog passed by him. Thank heavens, he said. I'm so ugly that the dog won't even bother to bite me. After several hours passed, he shook himself off and hurried away. In this trial, the ugly duckling witnessed the death of two new friends, and his own life was in danger. He responded to the threat wisely, cautiously concealing himself. Notice, however, that his self-concept has not changed except for his attitude toward his belief, saying, Thank heavens I'm so ugly that the dog won't even bother to bite me, but he still attributes the behavior of others to his being ugly. The initiation stage continues as the duckling sets out for a safer place. Taking this action demonstrates the development of self-efficacy. His agency is developing. His resilience is being strengthened through taking action. He ran across field and meadows. The wind was so strong that he had to struggle to keep his feet. He was relieved when he came to a cottage where he hoped to find refuge from the storm. The door was cracked open enough for him to slip inside where he slept undetected until morning. Once the sun rose, he was discovered by the hen, the cat, and the old woman who lived in the cottage. But he wasn't turned away. The old woman, who didn't see well, believed him to be a fat duck, which indicates to us that he's growing. And she hoped that he would lay eggs. He stayed there for three weeks while the old woman waited but he did not lay any eggs. The duckling came to understand that in that house, the cat was master and the hen was mistress. They believed that their way of thinking was the only way of thinking. But the duckling thought that there might be more than one way of thinking, but the hen would not hear of it. At this point, it seems likely that the ugly duckling has experienced and seen more of the world than either the hen or the cat But when he shared his thoughts, they told the duckling to keep his opinions to himself. Here we see another coalition attempting to dominate the ugly duckling's thinking. But his resilience is growing, and he has much more experience than he had back in the duckyard. Before further investigating the question of whether or not the story of the ugly duckling illustrates the qualities of a hero's journey, we need to ask about the object of the hero's quest in order to appreciate the significance of his victory and the benefits obtained. In the story of the Ugly Duckling, I suggest that the object of the Ugly Duckling's hero's journey relates to the author's theme. Anderson, near the end of the story, abruptly states, Being born in a duckyard does not matter if only you are hatched from a swan's egg. I think what he is saying is, Where you are born doesn't define you. You are defined by what or who you become. I believe the Ugly Duckling's hero's journey is a quest to find his purpose and place in the world. This seemed to be Anderson's quest as well, and the quest of every human being. In the old woman's cottage, the Ugly Duckling experienced conflict, a different sort of trial, 
he sat in a corner feeling most despondent. Then he remembered the fresh air and the sunlight. Such a desire to go swimming on the water possessed him that he could not help telling the hen about it. The hen piped up. What on earth has come over you? You get such silly notions. Lay us an egg or learn to purr and you'll get over it. This is the temptation to abandon his quest, characteristic of the initiation stage. But the ugly duckling did not agree with her thinking. On the contrary, he continued to assert what he knew to be true. But it's so refreshing to float on the water, so refreshing to feel it rise up over your head as you dive deep to the bottom. He now knows himself better, but the temptation continues. The hen ridiculed his thoughts again, telling him that nobody in the house would agree with him and that he should abandon his crazy notions, accept their ideas, and do what he needed to do to stay with them in the cottage. Again, she attempted to persuade him to fall in line with what she and the cat believed he should do and be, but he simply was not designed to lay eggs or purr. He responded to this confrontation by facing his fears and the powers that ruled his life to this point, and he said, You don't know me. After another round of the hen's discouraging words, he said, I think I'd better go out into the wide world. And he did. And this marks a major turning point in the hero's journey. This time, he wasn't running away from who he believed he was. He was running toward who he was growing into. As a result of this confrontation, the duckling gained a profound understanding of his purpose. Armed with this new knowledge, our hero moves forward. And so does the story. So off went the duckling. He swam on the water and dived down in it. But still, he was slighted by every living creature because of his ugliness. Although the negative talk didn't stop him from leaving the cottage to return to the water, it was still there like an echo trying to isolate him. At this point in the hero's journey, the ugly duckling is encouraged by the sight of something that inspires joy and hope deep within him. It serves to lift him up to finish his journey. Autumn came on. The leaves in the forest turned yellow and brown. The wind took them and whirled them about. The heavens looked cold as the low clouds hung heavy with snow and hail. One evening, just as the sun was setting in splendor, a great flock of large, handsome birds appeared out of the reeds. The duckling had never seen such beautiful birds. They were dazzling white with long, graceful necks. They were swans. They uttered a very strange cry as they unfurled the magnificent wings to fly from this cold land away to warmer countries and to open waters. They went up so high, so very high, that the ugly duckling felt a strange uneasiness come over him as he watched them. He went round and round in the water like a wheel. He craned his neck to follow their course and gave a cry so shrill that the strange sound frightened even himself. Oh, how he could not forget those splendid birds, those happy birds. When he could no longer see them, he dived to the very bottom, and when he came up again, he was quite beside himself. He did not know what birds they were or whether they were bound, but he loved them more than anything he had ever loved before. It was not that he envied them, or how could he even dare to dream of wanting their marvelous beauty for himself? 
This vision served to fortify the duckling for the most difficult challenge he faced on his road of trials. With winter came the most strenuous trial that tested the duckling's perseverance. The marsh became bitterly cold. The duckling had to swim constantly to keep the water from freezing over. As the temperature dropped, the ice encroached more and more until he paddled continuously to keep the crackling ice from closing around him. Finally, exhausted, the duck froze to the ice. In the morning, a farmer came upon this scene. He broke away the ice and carried the duckling home to his wife. Once the duckling was revived, he became terrified when the farmer's children tried to play with him and began flapping about the house. The farmer's wife, waving her arms in the air at him, made it worse. The frightened duckling made quite a mess, flapping his wings, knocking things over in the kitchen, and flying around the room. The farmer's wife was screaming. The children were laughing. The duckling managed to escape through an open door. Rescued by the kind farmer, the duckling survived the trial of freezing to the ice. He was determined to return to the outdoors where he lived. He returned to the marsh for the remainder of the winter and completed the road of trials. He has been stretched. His resilience developed. He has grown in his capacity to connect with others and his environment. He enjoys his autonomy and has become efficacious. We may also recognize that he has grown in his ability to have compassion toward himself. In this story, the third and final stage of the hero's journey, the return, fittingly begins at the coming of spring. Some characteristics of the hero's return are the hero holds on to the object of his quest and an encounter that mirrors a previously encouraging image guides him as he crosses a return threshold, home, where he is at peace with his life. Listen while the ending unfolds. The duckling enjoyed the rising temperature. With the sun gently warming the earth, bird songs began to fill the air. Quite suddenly, the duckling lifted his wings. They swept through the air much more strongly than before, and their powerful strokes carried him far. Before he quite knew what was happening, he found himself in a great garden where apple trees bloomed. The lilacs filled the air with sweet scent and hung in clusters from long green branches that bent over a winding stream. Oh, but it was lovely here in the freshness of spring. From the thicket before him came three lovely white swans. The duckling recognized these noble creatures. I shall fly near these royal birds and they will peck me because I am so very ugly and dare to come near them. But I don't care. Better be killed by them than to be nipped by the ducks, pecked by the hens, kicked about by the henyard girl, or suffer such misery as winter. So he flew into the water and swam toward the splendid swans. Kill me, said the poor creature, and he bowed his head down over the water. But what did he see there mirrored in the clear stream? He beheld his own image, and it was no longer the reflection of a clumsy, gray bird, ugly and offensive. He himself was a swan. Our hero, who was haunted by the possibility that his ugliness will cause a horrible reaction from the swans, was not willing to limit himself from attempting to engage the dazzling, white, beautiful birds. 
To shed the false image he had of himself, he had to be brave enough to cross the return threshold to observe the truth of who he was even prior to emerging from his egg. He had always been a swan. Children at the edge of the water praised the beauty of the swan who now joined the others. The truth shattered the power of the hurtful things that were said and done to him. Toward the end of the fairy tale, Anderson's own words explained that the mature swan, our hero, could now look back and see the hand of providence that led him on his journey. And I quote, He felt glad that he had come through so much trouble and misfortune, for now he had a fuller understanding of his own good fortune and the beauty when he met with it. He felt so very happy, but he wasn't at all proud, for a good heart never grows proud. He thought about how he had been persecuted and scorned, and now he heard them call him the most beautiful of all birds. He rustled his feathers and held his slender neck high as he cried out with a full heart, I never dreamed there could be so much happiness when I was the ugly duckling. This hero's journey ends with our hero at peace with his life. The meaning of the fairy tale, The Ugly Duckling, has changed for me. I no longer see it as a sad story about a victim who hangs in there until something good happens to him. Instead, it's a story about someone who became victorious over their trials, building resilience that enabled them to persevere. He learned what was good, moved forward in truth, and found what was beautiful. It is a hero's journey children and adults can relate to because fundamentally, it is a journey of transformation. Squaring off with obstacles and trials we are ill-equipped to handle or tackle because of a lack of understanding or experience, we are stretched, and we must draw from all the intellect, experience, skill, and truth we have and acquire more to triumph. Through the process of traversing the road of trials, resilience is developed, transformation takes place, and the truth of who we are is revealed. Thanks to all the story lovers, thinkers, and curious who join me today. Tap the subscribe or follow button to catch our next episode. Join by clicking the Thinking Curious review link below to receive the review in your inbox, updates, and support our work. Each review offers additional content and analysis of the ideas that inspire the podcast. <laughs>